0: This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our
1: listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this
2: thing. Woo! All right. Captain Markov. Xyla, and Gorgon are discussing the last time they all met before the crew broke up at a bar where tensions were high, but feelings were still strong. Oh, man, I I don't know. You know the weapon was on that ship, right? I mean, I know. Like, I know with
0: all my heart that weapon was there. Why? There's no reason it wouldn't be
1: there. Besides, it was our only chance to stop Tetra if she was on the ship.
2: I mean, I hope she was.
1: do
0: no no you, you you got like we we all saw the intel we all saw the intel we all agreed she was on the ship the weapon was on the ship
2: all right it feels like a setup
1: yeah but we did what we had to do cap we trusted you you know we follow you to hell and back so whatever happens back happens next
0: what we need to do is we need to stick together i'm not going to give up on any of you and we're going to get through this
2: all right let's see
0: all right draw a card
2: all right, here we go,
0: and welcome to the 435th episode of the Misdirected Mark podcast. Once more into the mini game. We're going to be talking about mini games tonight. And as um, if you're watching on this, if you're watching on the video, we have guests in the house. So uh, first, I'm going to just make sure that we introduce the normal crew, and then we're going to have our guests introduce themselves.
2: My name is Phil. My name is Jerry. And I'm Old Man Logan. I'm the disembodied voice tonight. Bob's in the control room tonight. I'm the man in the chair. All
0: right. And our guests tonight, please introduce yourselves.
3: Hi, uh, I'm Jamie, Jamie Najetti. My pronouns are they, he, and I'm super happy to be here.
4: And I'm Jason Pitt, who most of you already know. Uh, Genesis of Legend Publishing, the RPG Design Panelcast, the Game Design Lounge. One of the IGDN people. Um, mm-hmm. I do games.
0: Yeah, I know, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jim, you're selling yourself short here. Like you way undersold your introduction. Like you <laughs> I have, did.
3: I did. Oh my god! You gosh. have a
0: number of you have a number of games and several very interesting games uh, to your name. Um, I do.
3: I do. I do have a reputation. I used to be the game jammer. Uh, it got so bad that they put together a game jam called the Jammy Jam Jam Jam. Um, Ooh. so, uh, I used to release one to three games every month for game jams on itch.io. So if you check out my itch.io page, I have about 40 games on there, uh, nice. of varying length. Uh, I have a few more on my Patreon that, that are, that are secretly there, but I love to make games. And currently, uh, I think my biggest projects are Apocalypse Tease, which, uh, is, got picked up by Eva Hat for publishing. So that's an open play test right now. It's about Monsters Defying the Apocalypse, and the one I'm most excited about today is Once More into the Void, uh, which we're going to get to talk about. It's my very, very, very first Kickstarter, and I'm super excited.
0: There we go. There, I way undersold yourself. I've been, I've been, on your, I've been on your itch page. <laughs> like I've looked, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, good, good. Now that now that everybody knows um, who you are, now we're set. And yes, Jason's old hat here. Like Jason's been like. We we have Jason. Jason's an annual event, at least annual event. Um,
4: well, I clearly need to release more kickstarters. Yeah, so exactly. Really Used to show up more.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't really need an ex- exactly. You don't need a Kickstarter to show up. We, I mean, we like helping helping out promoting kickstarters, but you can show up anytime.
4: I mean, it's tradition. I mean, I need to have launch a Kickstarter. Uh, I need to give a super specific outline of an episode, uh, and then uh, we need to chat about it. So. Yes,
0: and uh, you know, optionally, can discuss you know the various um, various poutines, yes, and and whether they are valid poutines or not.
3: Oh my gosh, <laughs> is there a checklist involved?
0: Yes. Oh yeah, Down with in the, in, Yeah,
3: in the after show,
1: I want to I want to hear what makes for a proper poutine, so I don't make that oh, mistake. That's I'm the whole after show out. covered.
0: Go. We'll yeah. be good. <laughs> That'll
1: cover the whole time. Good. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear me some poutine
4: talk. All right. All right. Oh, I'll tell you about Acadian <laughs> Putin afterwards. All right. All right.
0: Perfect. All right. All right excellent. So um, in order, um, because when we have guests on, uh, the show is always longer than we expected. So in order to uh, keep the show to a uh, reasonable length, we're dropping a few of our normal segments. We're going to do uh, cool. a couple quick announcements. Um, and then we'll jump into our main topic for tonight, which is going to be the garage topic on minigames, which has everything to do with Once More Into the Void. Um, no surprise but first i'll just make one quick misdirected mark announcement our voyager watch club is now into week 10 i believe this is our third week of season four uh these episodes are 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 good our watch party tonight is two excellent episodes uh two-parter uh that i rather like but one of my favorite episodes is buried in the list this week um the omega protocol which I uh, I just think is a cool, uh, it's just a cool little standalone episode. Um, if you're, again, I, we've said this in the past, This is we're past the part where you could easily jump in unless you're already a Voyager fan, and then you're welcome to join us. Uh, but if you, you know, get the urge to pick it up, go to the forums. We have all the week, ep- like we have the um, episode list for each week listed out. And you can just, uh, you can play the home game yourself and just uh, watch through uh, I've curated the list for all the um, better episodes and then, you, you know, with some recommendations for some other ones if you have time. That's our Voyager Watch Club. Awesome. Um, but now I'm going to turn it over to our, our guests because what we, what we want to start talking about, which will help frame a lot of our discussion for tonight, um, is that you guys are here to discuss um, your brand new Kickstarter, brand new funded Kickstarter. Yeah which is excellent right first day first day funding is uh, oh you'll day-
4: you oh, oh sorry that's us i was like you'll want to refresh that it's higher um but yeah no i'm thinking i'm always looking at the canadian dollars which are always higher <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> i had to do my
0: quick conversions this morning like, <laughs> like how much is that in? yeah uh but anyway like um i'm gonna turn it over um to you both and tell us about um both the game once more into the void and then tell us about the Kickstarter.
4: So, Jamie,
3: yeah. Uh, so, once more to the void is a game that is deeply inspired by my love for Star Trek: The Card and Mass Effect Two, just sci-fi in general, of uh, found family and connections. Uh, just to quickly, like, say what what brought about the idea. I was watching Star Trek: The Card, and he was trying to recruit someone who was part of his crew. And as that scene was playing, it was such a good scene, really great acting. I was like, this feels, this feels like a game. This feels like a, and this happens a lot, right? For, for designers, like we're watching something and we get inspired. But I was like, I can see, this feels like a Firebrands game. I can see the prompts and which one they chose and how the scene is playing out. So basically, Once More into the Void is uh, about uh, a captain who betrayed their crew. They used to be big damn heroes together they used to save the galaxy they were a really strong family unit but the captain left that all behind in the face of tragedy and it's been years now but the threat has re-emerged and so the captain has to bring the crew back together and it's really a game about trying to learn how to trust each other again how to regain that loyalty what does redemption mean all from different perspectives of of the crew and there's a chance that you might not survive the final mission. So I've been in a few games where no one made it. <laughs> and I'm in a, mm-hmm. I've been in a few where like every made it, everyone made it but just the skin of our teeth. So uh, it's a really, really super exciting game. And it's based on the Firebrand system. So I mentioned that briefly. Uh, Firebrands was first, oh, I'm gonna do the full title. It's, I'm trying to not say Mobile Suit Mobile Frame Zero Firebrands uh, by Megway and Vincent Baker. And it's a really, really good game, really excellent system. It spawns so many hacks, including The King is Dead, um, which is also by The Bakers, and lots of other great games. And so it's a system that focuses on roleplay, that provides you different prompts and questions, and is made up of mini games, which is what we'll be talking about today. Uh, Yeah, and that's basically Once We're Into the Void. Did I forget anything important, Jason?
4: Uh. Other than the fact that it's diceless, uh, and I mean, I can never always i the lines between Firebrand's framework and belonging beyond belong outside belonging are weird to me. I Mm -hmm. I, like because there's tokens moving around too.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I (laughs) I,
4: it's a little muddled in my head. But yeah, no, um, it is an amazing and super evocative game. Um, And I ran into it on itch. Uh, I think I backed one of a billion or so bundles uh, where once more into the void was included. I read through it and literally halfway through the game, I was thinking, wow, this needs to get published. Um, And it came to my attention that, oh, no. Uh, people from the Philippines can't run Kickstarters. Oh. You know what? I'm not from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I think I could probably fix this problem. <laughs> uh, so I got in touch with Jamie, and we started scheming. Uh, and those schemes have worked out pretty well so far. Um, we uh, So we're co-publishing it, uh, Genesis of Legend Incorporated, uh, and Sword Queen Games, and uh, are co-publishing this game, uh, so uh, the Kickstarter is going towards paying for existing development costs, art, printing, shipping, fulfillment, etc. Um, and uh, anything beyond that is going to Sword Queen Games to support future games by Jamie because we need more awesome. games by Jamie.
0: Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I, I read I read the um, I read the pitch for it and was like, Oh, I'm in like i was just i was like oh oh yes like and then immediately like sent it out to um not only um not only bob and jerry but i like sent it out to um my other co-host on my other show senda and i was like oh my god you gotta like you gotta see this game like this is like right up our alley like so um yeah we we've already played two sessions of it so we're um and we're and we have more because we're slow um we talked about a pre-show, but we're slow. Like you're supposed to play the game. The game is playable in two sessions, I think is what you say, right?
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: If you are not like a, a table full of like drama hounds who are like, who are hell bent <laughs> on playing every scene like word for word, I, yep. right, I see how it could be played in, in two sessions.
1: Oh, yeah. um, we got into some very good uh, uh, interpersonal drama that led to some, some good quotes. And, you know, we milked every scene for as much as we could based on the prompts that you gave us and had a ball with them so
0: yes we're gonna play this campaign we're gonna play it as a campaign that's what's gonna happen here (laughs) Um,
1: okay
0: yeah so um oh yeah i mean like i I, like i fell in love with it the second i saw it like as soon as i read the premise i was like oh i'm in like it's like good um and then of course jason so (laughs) so i mean well i mean no i mean look there's a couple things here one we love jason but two like genesis legend runs great kickstarters so um you know there's a, you know, very high degree of confidence. Like it's, um, you know, it's, it's a no brainer for me when it comes to, you know, when it comes to Jason's Kickstarters. So, and the two of you teamed up, you know, is even better. So um, on that note, tell us about the Kickstarter, like how it's arranged and like, you know, what's going on, stretch goals, things like that.
4: Uh, so the Kickstarter is a relatively simple one. You know, it's got the standard, here's a PDF, here's a book. Uh, Here's a retailer tier. Okay, those are bog standard. But what we've been doing and what we've been trying to work on especially is ensure that it's accessible to as many people as possible. So we have a robust community copy system. And by robust, I mean a $1 Canadian pledge, uh, which is roughly a nickel American, uh, will get you the complete PDF of the final game. If you need it. Uh, and uh, we have an unlimited number of those. Uh, we also have a limited number of $10 Canadian uh, community copies. So it's 10 bucks plus shipping, mm-hmm. which is effectively at cost of manufacturing. We have a limited number of slots, but we have a deluxe level called the Galactic Bank, which is, in addition to... Getting yourself a PDF, getting yourself a printed book, you also fund a community copy, and we've had a ton of people who've been signing up and uh, throwing in, uh, pitching in to make this possible, um, which is really a testament to the backers. Uh, yeah, we've got fifty people who have actively chosen to pay a bit more so that people with um, from. Um, marginalized backgrounds and suffering economic hardship are able to get to the game.
0: It's fantastic.
4: So, yeah, yeah, we're super proud about that.
3: Yeah, that yeah and, and uh, Jason knows it. how important community copies are to me because uh, it's something that started up on the itch.io scene uh, among designers where we wanted to try to make the games as accessible as possible and each designer has their own approach to community copies if they choose to go that way, but it's a really great way to be more inclusive and to really invite more people into the conversation and to play with each other, which is the most important thing, right. To have more people playing games.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, and I, you know what, and I honestly, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I appreciate a simple Kickstarter. Like I like, um, I mean, to me, simple Kickstarter also tells me like, th- this will be, you know, this will be fulfilled um, in a pretty straightforward manner, um, which I, you know, also appreciate. Right. The project manager in me, which. Uh,
4: uh, Yeah. No, um, I am just coming off of the heels of my last Kickstarter. Yes. (laughs) So I was unwilling to be too enthusiastic about (laughs) uh, extended stretch goals because I I have enough project management under my belt to recognize it. Um, Get you every time. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, We're not trying to be agile here. (laughs) <laughs> no now, no we're no, planning anything. this stuff out right up front uh minimal stretch goals we actually only have two stretch goals stretch goal so uh our base goal which we've met um is the standard edition mm-hmm. uh this will produce a beautiful professionally printed full color eight and a half by eight and a half hardcover book mmm so it's going to be uh, sort of the same footprint as Cartel okay. or Bluebeard's yep. Bride. Sort of that. that sure. Because we wanted to let the text breathe. And uh, a lot of the mini games are the kinds of things that you want to really put on one spread.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
4: And one indie standard spread isn't enough to comfortably include all that content. Oh, I like that. So Whereas the idea, you the idea
0: will be just to have the game, eight, like have the book at the table,
4: eight, eight and a half by seventeen spread. That is your, you put it down, and that that's your mini game. Nice, that's mm-hmm. solid. Yeah, um, and that's including um, art for all each of the mini games, and uh, by the fantastic artist uh, Camila Chua. Um, we have already. It covered off the uh, cover from that um, uh, brain. Ooh,
3: Adrian, Bal- Thank- Adrian Valdez. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um,
4: so, uh, yeah, so we already have that. It's covering off professional editing. Uh, we've got Avery Alder doing some design consultation. Nice. Um, you know, since it isn't good enough, let's also drag Avery in. Um, so our first stretch goal is the extended edition. Uh, where we will uh, commission additional illustrations and add three new mini games, Ooh. which I'll let Jamie uh, talk about. Yes.
0: We're going to tease one of them in the ep- in the in the segment, right? Okay, Ooh, cool. Um,
4: and then Stretch Goal Two is the Legendary Edition. Um, so, along each of these editions is also coming with larger print run. Mm-hmm. Allowing us to get better quality at lower prices. Sure. Um, We're actually um, currently planning on using some local Canadian printers. And I actually have a, this is such a game publisher thing, I have a professional and personal relationship with a bindery uh, relatively close to me. So I'm working with them and uh, the relevant printer um, to be able to produce these. Um, so, uh, that is also going to include, um, additional, uh, crew members. Uh, so, uh, two additional playbooks. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the most exciting, uh, little, um, element is that we're also allocating, uh, a bit of money to buy all the crew members of our little Kickstarter copies of Mass Effect Legendary Edition for- Perfectly legitimate research purposes. Research, yeah.
0: research, absolutely.
3: absolutely.
0: And self care yeah. because editing and layout and stuff takes a lot out of you. So you know, also important to emphasize good self care for the team.
4: Yeah, absolutely, so true. And so true. everything <laughs> beyond that is going straight to Sword Queen Games, uh, in so that uh, Jamie can continue to publish amazing games. And um, and yeah, so that is fundamentally the goal. We wanted to make sure that. Uh, Jamie's games could get out in the world as broadly as possible get enjoyed by the most number of people possible and give them the tools necessary to succeed on future projects
0: yeah i think that's fantastic
4: that's excellent yeah
3: yeah because uh as jason pointed out before like the first once more into the void was made on zero dollars <laughs> hmm. so it would be this is the year that I, the first time that I've got to work with artists and I got to work with other people and like editors and consultants. So it'd be really, really great to continue to be able to like uh, work and collaborate on, on bigger and better things. That would be super fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's oh, I love it. I I love it. And I saw on Twitter, um, I've seen the tweets go by of the, um, of the book. So, are those mock-ups or is is that an actual um is that an actual those, print one?
4: Those are mock ups.
0: Okay. They're they're nice looking mock-ups, by the way. <laughs> like um but the book looks fantastic. The cover looks amazing. Um the the you know, the, the page spreads, like it looks really good. And I really like your choice of artist, um, your choice of artist for it. Really good. Like it's really cool sci fi imagery.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so happy with uh, Adrian Valdez who uh funny funny story my partner met adrian in a bookstore and they talked about masks to new generation that's how they met and so to be able to work with adrian uh is really really great and camille chua for the interior art has been fantastic and what's great is both have actually played mass effect so they understood all the references like the first few emails i said i was like oh this character i won't go into too much detail they're like oh no i love Callie. you know she's one of my favorites i was like perfect
0: Fantastic. All right, cool. So we're gonna have a link for the Kickstarter
4: um in also, the, sh- in the easy show. Easy for the audience. It's at kickstarter.games.
3: Let's go to
4: Kickstarter.games. Yep. Right. I
0: forgot I forgot you had that.
3: <laughs> right.
2: I totally smart, forgot Smart thinking kick- by Jason. Let's let's make it yeah, super uber smart simple. Smart thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah, Kickstarter games. Like that's not gonna be hard to remember. <clears throat> um Yes, brilliant. Um, yeah, so um, the Kickstarter runs, how long does the campaign go till? It's a 30-day 30 uh, 30 campaign.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Oh, uh, one other very important thing. Yes. If you back the game for any amount, uh, you get to instantly access the itch version of the game. Okay. And, you know, if something comes up, money, it becomes a problem, or it's just not your cup of tea, keep the PDF
0: very nice very nice and cool. the is so, great um yeah. i have the pdf because we've been playing it yeah. um and it, it it's great and it's and and it's completely playable like you you can play the game like um you can play it like right now um it's and it's really good like we're playing it it's fantastic um but jason just because we're um recording on one night and it drops on another what's the actual end date for uh, the, so the campaign
4: the end date should be the 11th of june 2021 gotcha because this is also a podcast, I had to say the year.
0: Yes, mm, yes. Because <laughs> yes, at some point, at some point,
3: yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: when they unearth these somewhere, Ooh. some data vault. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, cool. All right. Good. All right. So that's all right. That's an intro to the game. That's uh, that's we covered the Kickstarter. What we're going to do now, which uh, we love to do when we have other designers on the show, is to actually get a little geeky and um, talk about some. In this case, we're going to talk about some mechanical stuff. Uh, in the garage segment, uh, we're going to specifically be talking about mini games.
2: Bob, hi, right, hey. Let me see if I can get the garage open.
3: Access granted. There
2: we go. All right.
1: Tonight, honor of our guests and Duella's game, What's More to the Void. We're going to talk about mini games. Specifically, we're going to talk about what they are, what they do in games, and <clears throat> excuse me, how to make them work when you're running your game. For obvious reasons, we're really focusing a lot on the mini games of What's More to the Void. As our examples, but Phil, before we get started, you can tell us a little bit about what a mini game is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right, a mini game is a self contained set of rules within the greater rules of the game that are used to determine the mechanical and narrative outcomes for a specific circumstance, action, or scene. Um, typically, they use a different set of rules from the core rules of the game. If if a game has a set of core rules, because uh, once more into the voids, a bit of an exception uh, to that. Uh, but we're going to talk about some other. Uh, we'll highlight some other games that have mini games in them as well. Um, and the rules are often tailored to emulate a certain type of action or scene, and are often done so because the core rules don't really land in that space, right? So they become this becomes a very like highly tailored uh, rules package that is there to deliver a particular type of effect. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Now we have some idea what a mini game is. Let's talk about some of the games that use them. So question number one, what are some games, including once we're into the void, that use mini games and what mini games do they contain?
3: Yeah, so actually once we're into the void, we we talked about this briefly. It's based on the firebrand system. I uh, I don't know if that's the official name, Jason says like uh,
4: Firebrands be, uh, framework. I've heard the official name.
3: Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Perfect, perfect. So uh and so there's some really great games that I mentioned, like The King is Dead, Mobile Frame Zero Firebrands, which started the whole thing. And so both of these games call the entire game manual a playbook, right? And so Vincent and Megway have talked about how the Firebrands framework is actually powered by the apocalypse also. So but we could we could go on forever if we go into that design route, right? <laughs> if, we, if we talk about that and take that apart. Uh, so basically uh, the idea is that each minigame is part of everyone's playbook. So everyone has this like menu or table of contents they can refer to on which minigames they can pick up. So in a lot of these hacks, and you can find quite a lot in Itch.io, there are like a few dozen really fun ones. So they'll use popular minigames, like a conversation over food, a dance, stealing time together, and so on. So personally, a few firebrand game hacks that I really like, are Dragon Hearts by Alex Roscura Guerrero, uh, which is about like, this mythical place with dragons who turn into, who can take on like anthropomorphic form or human form. And there's like this whole ritual romancing going on. And then also They Came to Play Ball by Adira Slattery. I really love that one. And They Came to Play Ball is basically... It explained what baseball is to me, like that whole phenomena, right? And then it just went all out. So the game is really great. You play these monstrous baseball players, uh, and it's very, very good stuff. It's super, super fun. So those are some of my favorites. I'm technically cheating. That's like a lot of mini games per game, but uh, those are my favorites.
0: No, no, that's fine. That's
4: fine. Well, they're just all small <laughs> examples of the mini game genre, which is the larger
3: right.
4: genre. So it's fine. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, Ooh, I I do wanna, it just came off the top of my head. I also want to mention you can uh you can check out anytime, but you can never leave, which is like so each mini-game is a title from an of an of an 80s song. So it's really interesting. It's so good. It's so good. It's this whole horror thing where you like it's inspired by the shining and stuff like that. You you go to a hotel, but you can't leave. What if you can play a monster? It's really good stuff. Really, really good stuff.
0: That sounds fun. I'm old, I would like that. (laughs)
4: yeah (laughs) so from my perspective i actually so i my particular um, interest in game design is the combination of mini games and asymmetrical game design those two bits together are absolutely fascinating for me um so i turned my mind to uh swords without master
0: no that is a game which
4: i feel is a very strong contender for mini games Mm -hmm. in that the discovery phase perilous phase and rogue phase each represent completely different areas of the narrative different styles of uh the play experience Mm -hmm. and different moments and you move between them as appropriate that's fair absolutely so and
0: each each one has a very set of very distinct set of procedures designed to produce a very distinctive feel yeah absolutely
4: so i that was the i know it wasn't the first one but to my heart it's the first
0: (laughs) no i I Um, mean i respect it (laughs) i respect your choice I mean, I think you know we're huge Swords Without Masters fans. Like Very we, much so. We've played a lot of Swords Without Masters, so I yeah. wholeheartedly agree with you. Your analysis is – I'm spot on with you. Uh, for me, um, one of the ones that sprung to mind, and this one's I think a fairly old reference, um, is Burning Wheel has mini games for um, – pretty much for regular combat for range combat for social combat like those are all their own packaged mini games and it's sometimes one of those things that um people find daunting about learning burning wheel i mean i think there's a number of things daunting about learning burning wheel but um the mini games are one of those things um that sometimes hang up people and then if you want to get to the advanced class i think you can just go play burning empires right that's the the uh it's burning wheel on steroids. For- <laughs>
4: yep. Uh, although I will actually note the other element of Burning Empires. That is interesting. It's a different axis of minigame. Because there's a very strong scene economy.
0: hmm
4: Yeah. Of different kinds of scenes. So this yeah. is a color scene. This is a character scene. This is a plot scene, I think. Um, and you have a limited number of those that you, ha- that you can pick between. So you're simultaneously saying... Uh, We're going to be doing a duel of wits and we're doing it in a plot scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's, it's a game. So yeah, it's a game that I've, I've never actually gotten to the table. I was fortunate enough to actually play it um, at Gen Con the year it came out. Um, But it also got me turned on to the graphic novels and I love those graphic novels. Like the burning empire graphic novels are fantastic.
4: Uh, Yeah. We've played, uh, a combination of burning empires and diaspora and those two games. Oh, we had two GMs for it and six players. Wow. Um, uh, And uh, yeah, it was just as heavy lifting as you would think.
0: That sounds pretty heavy lifting,
4: Um, which is actually the genesis of fate of the galaxy the galactic space opera game that Genesis of legend is also working on right now. And it's in, in other know, words,
0: a know. future reason when Jason's on the show. Yes, exactly.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So that was, yeah, that was my example was, uh, was burning wheel. Jerry, how about you?
1: For me, um, actually one of my favorite uh, indie game sessions came from surprisingly a non-indie game. Um, the Pathfinder adventure path that had shadow in the sky ends with the players um, running a casino. And all of the games, the casino, running the casino, and were all standard little mini games, which were kind of import, imported into other sessions later on. Um, so as the players got involved with the actual casino itself, there were lots of little games they could play um, to stimulate that, um, that were not just card games. There were people uh, that insulted you and some, some dice games and some other things that were in there that uh, just kind of kept the game flowing without taking you out of the the mechanic of the whole scenario, uh, which was fun. And I like it. I don't know if it's in the new edition of Pathfinder, but it was in the original one. So it was kind of nice. So um, after that, we'll say now we've got some examples. Uh, Let's ask, how does a new game work as a mechanic?
0: Sure. Yeah. Let's break it down a little here. Um, The mini game starts um, during normal play when something triggers its use. Um, And the trigger could be um, a couple different things, right? So it could be a narrative trigger, right? Like in case of like Burning Wheel, like all of a sudden we're about to have a duel of wits, right? The narrative kind of leads us into the minigame. It could be mechanical. The mechanics of play, such as a die roll or an outcome of a a skill check may engage a minigame. Or it could be procedural, right? The procedures of the game um, determine that a minigame is to be engaged. And I think that is true for Once More Into the Void uh, as well as Swords Without Master procedurally when you end one scene you need to start the next one so once a mini game is engaged it is its own set of rules um and it starts with how to set up the mini game it will um inside of it it will tell you how to play the game um and that'll involve that can involve both narrative and mechanical um play um often has its own set of procedures tells you kind of how to proceed through it um, and the rules will describe how the mini game is concluded so there'll be an end condition by which you can exit yep. out of the mini game and then the outcome of the mini game gets expressed into the you know the narrative of the of what's going on and if your game has core rules then the game would move back into the core rules and and play would resume uh, in, like along that path until the next mini game is engaged. So having said all that our question for Jamie um for once more into the void, can you give us an example of one of the mini games and kind of break down like how it's played and the mechanics that are uh, that go behind
3: it? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, a lot of the Firebrand games suggest that you start with a specific game, right? So, usually this helps establish setting, lore, or the current situation. Uh, sorry, my partner's playing it, it's echoing through our tiny apartment. Anyway, so, uh, So usually it helps set up things, right? So for people to jump into it. So in the case of Once We're Into the Void, the first minigame is the recruitment montage, which is always like one of my favorite parts of like any of these kind of stories, right? And so after the players have decided what archetype they'll pick up and play, like which of the playbooks they'll pick up, the captain has to recruit each member Ah. of the crew. So let's say the Reformed is one of the playbooks chosen. And you then play the mini game, The Hunt. So each time you recruit a member, there's sort of like an understanding of where you find them or what's going on for them, which is very open to interpretation, right? So the Reformed is running away from something because the Reformed used to be the enemy. They served the Void in some capacity, but they betrayed all of it for the captain and then the captain left. The captain like left everybody behind. So since then, the Reformed has been on the run, right? So the game starts, this particular mini game starts with the captain and the reformed asking each other a few establishing questions to help build the scene. And like I said, it's supposed to be quick and easy, but as, uh, as some groups like it, they really get into it, right? But anyway, so uh, the captain chooses from there a list of possible situations they could be in. So looking at the options let's say the captain decides to choose, innocent bystanders are caught up in our chase, dot, dot, dot. And then it's up to the player who's playing the reform to decide what happens with those innocent bystanders, like what's going on. So the choices that the reformed has are three prompts, which are, and I stop you from sacrificing yourself to save them. They're not worth it. Or, and I risk us getting captured, and you know I'll always choose the common good. And the last option is, and I beg you to leave them behind. No one is truly innocent in this war. So cold. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, what I really like about that is when the captain chooses which scene, the rest of the table looks at the reform like, well, what's the answer, right? Because when you choose an answer, you are establishing who you are as characters, who the other person is as a character, what's going on in the scene. So it's evocative because it's trying to, like, cram in, well, I don't want to say cram it. I, I I feel like it's not that, you know, but it's trying to, like, open up, right, a lot of potential, a lot of, like, backstory in just those few prompts. And so the players are encouraged to roleplay as much as they like, to feel out their characters and relationships, and the prompts and questions do a lot to help that out. And so then the next part of the game is just the reform chooses one, and then now the captain chooses how to resolve it, right? So it's just supposed to be two moments in the recruitment montage, and then the player asks one more set of questions. So in this case, the captain asks, what will make you betray me? And the reform asks in turn, but what makes you trust me anyway, right? And so that's going to like create this line between the two. And the hunt, this recruitment, this part of the recruitment montage ends with a loyalty draw, a consistent mechanic that's in every mini game of once More into the void. And once a card is drawn from a regular poker deck, we see how much loyalty we gained from the scene, then we go to the next crew member who's going to be recruited. So the recruitment montage is like a nesting doll of like mini games within the mini game within the, within the game. So it's a lot of fun.
0: That was our whole first session. Yeah. You know, all
3: the <laughs> just the recruitment. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 Oh, just, just the recruitment. We have like almost four hours of, of just recruitment.
3: But oh my gosh, they're <laughs> amazing.
1: And, and I'll be honest, I think that what I liked about not just the recruitment, but the way all the mini games build, and I think you, you, uh explained it really well here was that as the game goes while you designed your character every session gives you a chance to really explore that character's personality that's in that and the relationship to the event and the relationship to the crew and so you're constantly building more dramatic characters that really kind of flesh out and live and play off each other i think that i really like the way that the mini games really enforce that and and make that work um yeah
3: and, yeah and, and, and i was both re- a
1: game and a role thing but oh
3: yeah no, no no i was just gonna say i was super inspired by because uh, i played a lot of firebrands it's one of the easiest games to pick up and play it's also mm-hmm. like my gateway game for people like oh you've never heard of role-playing games you know this one just takes a few hours to play we could try it right so uh, i played a lot of firebrands games to people and what i like about the games in general is that it encourages you to create so much character within the moment, like within the scene, what makes sense. But for Once more to the Void, I really wanted to like, really lean into that because what I, even though I love Mass Effect so much, when I was watching Star Trek Picard, I was like, wow, these characters are carrying so much history, right? Like Mm -hmm. even if you haven't watched Voyager, if you haven't, if you don't know who Seven of Nine is, when she shows up in the series, you're like, wow, you can feel the history, That's just on her shoulders, right? It's so cool. So I wanted an entire game um, built around that for sure.
0: One of the things I love about the um, loyalty draw in the recruitment montage is the last line. So after you draw the card and you figure out how many tokens you get, the last line of it is the character who's recruited decides how to share the tokens. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I love that it is a way of also communicating, like, where this relationship is. Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to give the captain any of the tokens? Are you keeping them for yourself? Like, are you going to share them? Like, you know, will you split them if you have more? Because you can get more than one. So will you uh split them? And like, there's a lot of subtext that goes on with what choice you make. Yeah,
3: Um, yeah. I had a broken who was like, I'm never taking any tokens because you're never going to get my loyalty. Like that happened the first few (laughs) mini games. It was super dramatic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I, I lucked out. I think everybody gave me a token. Um,
3: nice, nice. It, like, it, Good it, job, Captain. I don't
0: think I, I, maybe somebody didn't, I can't remember. Maybe one player didn't give me a token, but I think almost everybody gave me one token, never more than one, right? Just one token. Yeah. <laughs> one person
2: only got one token and they kept it for themselves. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and, 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 what, and what's really fun is that in one of the other missions that we played, um, Bob's character lost a token as, as one of the results,
3: but, yeah, because yeah. Of,
1: but, but because of the relationship that we had in the game, I got a token and gave it to him as a loyalty because even though he lost a token, he had also shown true character that showed that his character got loyalty for me. So there was a lot of shifting loyalties and relationships in that one scene because of what we did as we played and what the, what the different prompts led us to go to, which were really amazing. So that was a lot of fun. It just it just built for a dramatic scene.
0: Yeah, and it's a really nice it, it's a really nice mechanic and and of course cuz I like I've read through the game like I know where the tokens show up at the end, right? So like mm-hmm. like it like it, it's really good because it'll there'll be consequences, right? Like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how how those to, who has those tokens and how they got distributed will have a lasting effect at the end of the game, which I think is fantastic, right? Like in it, in it, in its way it is also a form of foreshadowing.
3: Right, right, which I, which I feel like is apparent when you watch these shows or play these games, like there's a sense of death flags, yeah. right, that's attached to a character, like, ooh. So that's, a, that's, which is also based on Mass Effect too, because you can also gain loyalty. And if you don't gain it, they don't survive the final mission. But you can also mess up, I'm, I'm spoiling a game, but anyway, like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been around for a while, long it's enough, been yeah. Yeah, so, but basically you, even if you gain their loyalty, if you make bad decisions as a captain, right as commander shepherd you could also lose them so it's really high stakes that game which is which i wanted to translate into this one cool yeah
0: that, it, it, and i and i think and i think the translation's great
3: mm-hmm.
2: hey before we move on uh we've got a great question from uh andy in the chat room can you tell us a little bit more about the tokens can we expand on that a little
0: oh yeah do you want to tell us a little bit about the the token the, the token economy of the game
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's very straightforward. The tokens are attached to every time you draw a card at the end of a mini game, the loyalty draw. And so let me read out uh, an example. Ooh, I thought I had it. I thought I had it open, but but basically, when you draw one, depending on what you draw, if it's an ace or uh, if it's a it's a number, that's how many tokens that you earn. Anyway, anywhere between like zero to you can earn all the way up to three tokens. And then the game also says who decides who distributes the tokens uh, between the players who are present in the minigame.
0: And then um, I don't think it ruins anything because you can read it in the game. But how? What happens with the tokens when you get to the end?
3: Oh yeah, dun dun dun! So basically, the last game is called "Once More into the Void." So I just like having the title of the game being the last minigame just to really set the stakes. So in "Once More into the Void." Uh, in the last mini game, you basically have to uh, you have to face these different challenges, and with each challenge, you have to draw cards to see how how bad the challenge is, right? So, if, and then depending on like what card you draw, that's how many tokens you have to pay. And if you don't have the tokens, you have just a few options, which is you can ask someone else to pay those tokens for you to help you out in the situation from their loyalty, right? They'll come in and save you or you'll have to perish, like die in the moment really dramatically mm-hmm. if you want, or you'll mysteriously disappear, right? So so the thing is, it's, it's, really, it's really tight because you have these tokens, but you don't know how it's going to play out as you draw a card. I remember the first time we play tested it, we were down to the last challenge, down to the last card and we were like, okay. If we get this one, if I draw this card, I'll have exactly enough tokens to pay. But if I don't, we're screwed because we, these are the last tokens we have. Right. So uh, but we made it barely. <laughs> it was super, super great. And so what's great is after the game just doesn't end there, though, because if you choose to die, perish or you know, someone else helps you, there's also a different set of epilogue that you have right depending on on what happens next so there are also some interesting prompts but oh hello kitty i'm so distracted by the gorgeous (laughs) cat (laughs)
0: Sai has joined Sai has joined the uh the podcast with jerry all right excellent excellent yeah it's um Oh, I I know I'm I'm like as soon as I read the end game I was like oh this is great <laughs> this is like this like this has all the feelings of you know are they gonna make it will they die in a shower of console sparks like that's our <laughs> like favorite Star Trek trope like like console exactly. sparks exactly
3: exactly I yep. love it oh, wow. so so much yeah. that's that's really what I was trying to go for and <laughs> uh and every Every single time uh, that that we played this last game, it's uh, it's, it's always been like a nail-biter. It's always been really good. Even the ones where we made it. Uh, like I, Recently, I went on Twitter, and someone was like, yeah, I remember when we made the game. I was like, yeah, but we all survived in the end. And they were like, but at what cost, right? right yeah. <laughs> like, I was the captain, and I lost almost everything. And I was like, whoa, we played like a year ago, right? And they're still carrying that story, which I really love. That's,
1: that's <laughs> the best. It. You're going to build that kind of storyline in this thing, so that's what really works on it. So,
0: yeah. All right, Jer. Um, we mentioned this above. I thought we could expand on it. What does a mini game do for us in you know in the greater scope of a game?
1: Well, basically, what a mini game is going to do is going to create a tailored set of rules. They're going to help you emulate either an action or some sort of situation. Um, then the exact play experience is going to have a lot to do with what the mini game emulates. The mini game is about wrestling cattle from one place to another, like in Aces and Eights. And the play experience should be about the challenge of moving a herd from one place to another, making sure a cattle don't wander off, defending the herd from predators, making sure you keep an accurate count, and so on and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. It means that the game is, that, that little mini game is going to simulate that particular section, which the rest of the rules might not necessarily have initially, but allow you to, to very smoothly move into that part of the story and then move back to the rest of the game afterwards. So with that in mind, all, of all the mini games that once went to the void, which one is your favorite in terms of the to yeah. it creates? Can you tell us how it's structured to do that.
3: Yeah, so this is a. I'm glad you. We had a script for me to look at beforehand because I really thought about it. I spent like 30 minutes, like really thinking about it. So it's so hard to pick a favorite mini game. If I had to choose, right for now, which one my favorite is, uh, it's only if we have the time, Captain. And so fans of Mass Effect will know that. Uh, if you get close enough to your crew to your crewmates, uh, they will open up and let you know that they have a loyalty mission that you can go on like a side quest that you can do in order to ensure you gain their loyalty, that you complete their story arc before you go into the into the final mission, and and usually what they say like after the dialogue is like oh but only if they have the time captain right so I had to I had to include that and. The loyalty missions are really important about establishing a character's past or helping them work through something important. And it's one of my favorite parts in Mass Effect 2. I wanted to emulate that. And so this minigame, compared to the other ones in Once More to the Void, is a little more complex, like there are a few more stages. So you start by approaching the captain and the instruction is, I draw a card and describe the mission I need to go on. This is your chance to prove your loyalty to me, captain. I tell you what to what's at stake if we should fail. So let's say, for example, I draw the Ace of Clubs. And so the guide within the minigame tells me that with a clubs card, it's a mission that is focused on violence, passion, or rediscovering my fire, and how I choose to reinterpret that, right? Like, what does it mean? Like, which one am I going to go for? I would, I would argue that like, Zaid maybe from, <laughs> from Mass Effect 2 uh, could could be that, but you know, it depends. Uh, and then with an ace, it means I failed the last time I tried to go on this mission and I'll show the captain the scars from it. So that gives the player a chance to be like, well, what scar do they have? Did they establish a scar before this moment? If they didn't, that means it was hidden like somewhere. And now they're going to show it to the captain. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. And from there... There are four stages to the minigame in total. And as you play through the minigame, you come to the deciding moment, right? Like how did the mission actually play out? And you have to draw three cards to describe the arc of the mission and how it goes. And so for example, uh, for this particular one, uh, the, the options could be, if you pull a spades, I choose one of us is badly wounded. What obvious card does it leave? Or you can choose, we're betrayed by someone or something. Why won't we believe it? And depending on I had a game where like someone pulled three spade cards. Like it was really, it was like an intense <laughs> moment for sure. And then from there you also get to decide the what happened, right? The highest card from the one you draw decides if the mission was a success or failure. And there's like a slight like success or a complicated success or you know success and then some part to it in that same game where we pulled three spades we failed the <laughs> we failed the mission it was really that was really the intense game that one in particular and yeah so in the play test of this game and every time I played the game so far with other people it feels really similar to the loyalty mission from Mass Effect 2 but with more depth and nuance which is the joy of what a TTRPG can do and it's always been fun. It's really my favorite. It's currently my favorite. I may I may change my mind tomorrow. But uh, but yeah, that's that's a if only we have the time, Captain. So
0: we got to play. We got to play that. Yeah,
3: um, oh, how did yeah. it go? How did it go? It,
0: it was great. Bob, Bob, and I. Bob and I were in that scene together, um, going to get Bob's. So Bob's are um, uh, reformed. So we were uh, in order to get more intelligence. We were going to um, rescue uh Bob's mate who is still on like who was who was still on the home world um of our enemy right and so yeah. um so we went on the mission and uh during Gorgan the mission
1: Gorgon was on, on the mission too because that's how we shared the loyalty to
0: oh yeah that's right yep. that's right you came with us because we yeah. needed security because we knew that it was going to get messy <laughs> yeah. um but during that mission there was like a moment where the two of us um where Bob's character and I were alone and I wound up telling him that like um I've always trusted you. Like if something happens to me, if something happens to me on this mission, I want you to take over and lead. I want you to be second in command. Like we had this like whole moment um, in the middle of it as we were getting ready to like find his mate and and get her off the, off the planet of just having this like little moment of, you know, um, because in our backstory, not to get too deep into our game, but in our backstory, it's Bob's character who comes to me with the information about this weapon of mass destruction. And I'm like, okay, I'm in, let's do this. And then it all goes sideways, but I've never blamed him and never blamed him for, for it. Like I totally believed the Intel and all, you know, what he brought. So there was our moment of me saying like, look, I never stopped trusting you.
3: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool. So cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: now I will say just so that if people are listening, that mini game is the largest mini game in the game like that four part like most of the other mini games are um more compact than that they still have basically the same kind of structure but that one in particular has um probably the most mechanics in it
3: yeah yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like even the final game isn't as complex as this one Mm
0: -hmm. but it also plays very smoothly, like we had no problem just like zipping, zipping through it. Other than the fact that we stopped and played out every like every card flip.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect.
0: <laughs> righty good, good.
1: All right. So yeah, let's take a break. A check with the chat room before we do. Bob, that's another show on this Richard Mark Network.
2: Yeah, I would like to talk to you about a little ditty called the Gnome Cast. Several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and to avoid being thrown in the stew pot. Do you think they can avoid being thrown in the stew? Listen and find out. Alrighty.
0: How's our chat room doing? They look chatty tonight.
2: Chat room's good. Um they've been they've been following along. We only we only got a little off track. <laughs> uh, Senda took exception to uh, the question of which one is your favorite. It's like how do you choose between your children? Which one My is children. your favorite? Exactly, <laughs>
3: exactly. It's <Yes>. so hard.
2: <laughs> it's such a it's such a cruel question to ask.
3: It, it really
0: is like, what's your favorite comma in the moment? Right? Because I, yeah, I, yeah. I think like right, Jamie said, right. like there are moments I think when you design games where you fall in love with one of your mechanics, and then like just it either goes right in play testing where you're just like, Oh, it, like it's so doing the thing it's done. I love it. Yeah. And then like later you'll just love another part of it for yeah, another exactly. reason.
3: Exactly. Exactly.
4: Yeah. Well, it's also harder because there's three more uh, children that are currently hatching. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so maybe one of them will be your favorites.
3: Yeah, exactly. Know. Exactly. Very, very possible.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think through the entire design of um the initial design of Hydra Hackers, I fell in love with every one of the playbooks at one point. Like <laughs> at one point, every playbook was my favorite playbook in the game. And I like, I don't even know if I have one anymore, but like full circle, like at one point or another, every playbook was at some point my favorite. Yep. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough when you, um, I don't know. Like, I, I know it was an unfair question, but I, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think, I mean, you handled it wonderfully. Like it's, it's also a very if, 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 if question.
1: Dis- uh, much, much like the mini games, it's a good discussion. Yeah.
3: Exactly, exactly.
0: Well, and I should I'll just ask so that people know, like how many mini games are there?
3: Right. So right now there are nine mini games. If we hit our first stretch goal, we will have three more, which I'm very excited about. Uh, which, I already have some by ideas. The,
4: by the time you're listening to this, we've probably hit that stretch goal according to your trajectory. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that.
1: But don't pledge oh, anyway.
4: If you're yeah, watching and, live, yes. no pledge.
3: Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get out there. Oh. Yeah. we'll wait for you no um <laughs> yeah and, and i think what's really neat is the mini games are very um they're very tropey scenes like mm. in in this genre like they're very oh, much yeah. um uh they're very much in that like as soon as i saw them I'm like oh i can totally see the scene like yeah like, like the the scene like i've like i've seen the scene in in all sorts of of sci-fi media before and and it and and oh. then there, there's nothing wrong with that we've talked about this on the show before the tropes are Um, a really nice hook into getting people into the right narrative space like
3: yeah
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. people jump right in they're like oh I know right where I'm supposed to be in here and I and I know what the you know I have a good feel for the tone and everything Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no that's a good point because like I'm working on a forge in the dark game which is a social a political social intrigue game very high weird surreal fantasy and it doesn't lean on tropes as much and it's harder for people to like get into the space right so yeah, i think cool. that's why tropes and rpgs like just meld so beautifully because people are like oh yeah wait i think i know where we're going and you can really make it your own right it's just a starting point so um but yeah absolutely like uh, there's a favorite for a lot of people in once more into the void is only one shot to make it right the training montage and mm-hmm. so it's actually been hacked like people have put into their superhero games uh which i which i really love so it's been really cool
0: Oh, we totally did the we. Yeah. So we did that one because we went yeah. right with your nice, suggestion nice. and we were like, let's do this one first. Um, and oh, oh yeah, like I, and again, having I mean, for people who've been listening to the show know that like I've been watching nothing but a year of Star Trek. Like mm-hmm. as like even the prompts, I'm like, oh, that one was on Enterprise, like exactly. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're great. Like and and it was perfect, and and it was really good because we've all been watching star trek all year together so the shorthand that it took us to kind of fall into each one of those like little mini scenes in the middle of the game uh in the middle of that mini game it was really easy like it was really fast
3: so, oh, wow. so i'm so yeah. glad
1: <laughs> and evoked a lot of interesting uh situations that involved bringing some stuff out of our characters that we were not aware of yet which is all that fun <laughs> yeah
3: yeah 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 that's really that's really the fun of the prop i want to I want the prompts to be something like, "Ooh, this is a new thing about my character that I want to introduce." That's what I was hoping to achieve.
0: I, I really like that. Um, the first player picks the first part. The second player picks the second part. It's yeah. really, like, it's really good. Like the combination of those two always wind up being really interesting. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because because I notice in some other Firebrand games, what happens is it's just one person by themselves who who like says what's going on in the scene. But I like it when it's more. I think it's also if you look at the game, it draws a lot from my GM style and like what I've learned as a GM. So a lot of the questions that I would ask as a GM, I like put into this game. Right?
0: So. Yeah. And they're, and they're fantastic. Like they're fantastic leading questions to kind yep. of like drag you into certain spaces to have to talk about your character.
1: I was going to say, this whole game could be called Leading Questions.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and, and,
1: and, 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 and and I mean that as a compliment, because I really like Leading Questions. I think that they always create better role-playing experiences. I think it's part of what this has done. Um, also, I would say that if you're a GM who doesn't, who is not comfortable with Leading Questions, or not sure what they would be, this game would be a wonderful primer for what kind of questions to put in front of your players that prompt role-playing as opposed to yes-no answers. Mm-hmm. That's a nice, good way to nice. You, you could you could take what's in once more into the void and shift it to another genre and use the same kinds of questions to really build a strong player group um that will also help to answer the question why are these five miscreants bothering to be a party together hmm. and i think it's really good which is something that a lot of games need yeah um and i think this game does a really great job i would use this as a primer for other games if i found myself with a group of players who for some reason, weren't gelling their characters together. This would be a good um, one night run through with their characters, because by the end of it, you're gonna know why they're together, and uh, just scrap the part where they all might die at the end. You're all set. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
3: Just take what parts you need. Actually, I've had people do that people. where they've been playing, uh, let's say, Last Fleet or Impulse Drive, and they just take one of the mini games, oh. right? And then they just oh, yeah. go back and forth. So, so this becomes like what we were talking about, where it draws directly into into another game, which I think is fun. I, I'm probably yeah. going to include it in the final book, like as a suggestion that you can do that for your other games. Cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, was at one time we were just messing around and talking about using um, for the queen as the opening to a swords yeah. without master. game. Oh yeah. my
3: gosh. That'd be great. Yep. Yeah, Like
0: <laughs> just get to the end and like get to the final question of for the queen and then be like, cool. Now pick up the dice because here, you know, here we yeah. go. We're playing swords without master.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So cool. I mean, um, so for my game palanquin, I actually have a section in the back. Uh, So Palinquin is all about escorting the heir uh, to safety, uh, escorting her from a palace coup. Mm -hmm. So there's the, for the queen, what does the heir grow up into? Uh, And there was, uh, what was the other one? Kingdom. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah. uh, And uh, you could actually just play D&D with the, all of the adults who were who were you know the wizard and the veteran who were helping the air escape. How did they get there? What were they doing before?
0: Oh, it's fantastic! Yeah, yeah.
4: I was like, yeah, no, like patching together different games is
0: fast. that's our next that's our next tier design, right? Is to start like is to start patching each other's games together and making like mega games, like making uh, campaigns a, out
1: of that. Bob, put a pin in that. That's not a bad topic.
2: <laughs> Ding.
1: Slap. Yeah, yeah. One
3: of my favorite campaigns right now is we switch between three games, but we're telling we're all in the same campaign. It's one narrative. And so sometimes characters, uh, sometimes players will switch characters. Other times they won't, but the characters in different systems, so it's really fun.
4: I like that. I like <laughs> that. And I mean, that's also super interesting when you look at things like the World of Darkness.
3: Yeah. Where the
4: games are all hooked into each other but not quite yeah
3: yeah yeah exactly
4: like yeah th- th- cool. that'll be some good discussion fodder yeah um, well, but yes we should continue on because uh you are
1: correct all right yes so <laughs> let's jump back into our discussion about mini games let's discuss how to get the most of running the mini games that are in the games themselves so
3: yeah
1: uh first how to leverage in play Bill.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Minigames are a great way to evoke specific feelings or emulate things of importance in a game. Therefore, it is important when running, running or facilitating those minigames, we have good experiences with them, right? We want them to play well. We want to get a lot out of them. So my question out to the group um, is, and we'll start with our guests, is what are some of your tips for getting the most out of minigames?
3: Yeah, so I have two right, tips that I'd like to share going on my test today uh so (laughs) one is for minigames in general and the second one is more specific to uh the firebrand system so for one the first one if the minigame is really different from the rest of the game if it really takes you out and and puts you into a new perspective sets new stakes and so on i would say lean into that i've seen players where they're like a little worried because they're, they're like, oh, suddenly I have new rules or suddenly this is different or what's going on. Sometimes it pulls you out and you play a different character. I would argue, for example, that Godsend, uh, the PPTA game does something similar where you're switching back and forth between different characters, between being a god and being, between an avatar. And, you know, and, and each one has its own set of like mini games, I would argue. And so my tip is just to completely le- lean into it. Don't worry about like getting the specifics uh, completely right. What's more important is that you have a strong narrative, a strong role play moment that you're really happy about. And the second tip I have is specific to the firebrand system. And I find that it's an unspoken strength of the system that doesn't always take advantage of. So like by the 12th time (laughs) I played a firebrand game, uh, I noticed like when I was playing, I would always ask myself, what has changed about my character? In between minigames so if you play the same static and consistent character throughout all the mini games you're missing out on a lot of the magic of the system like if you're only sticking to like one very strong idea or emotion or how you feel about something if something doesn't shift dramatically for you from game to game you're missing out on what the firebrands framework can do for you And I'm planning on stressing that aspect for the game and making it more explicit in Once More Into the Void with the newer version. And because I think the best games in the 5 brand framework are when you end up with a character that's completely different from where you started. Like the first time I played Once More Into the Void, I played a believer. And by the end, oh gosh, she went through so much. She fell in love twice and... The first one was the captain rejected her, the second one was the reformed to like sacrifice themselves to save the rest of us. And so my poor believer was so heartbroken and and it was a strong question of like are you going to keep believing uh, until the very end. It was it was Don't it was really stop. great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> But yeah, the the game ended with the believers sort of becoming a villain though, because they didn't want to let go of the reformed, and so they they did some things that they promised themselves they'd never do, uh, if it meant being able to get the reform back. So that was a really cool cool moment for my character.
4: <laughs> Love it, mm-hmm. nice. Um, for myself. Uh, my strongest piece of advice is to be sure to understand the purpose and the boundaries of the different mini games, because they are all different lenses that can be used to interpret the same events in radically different ways. So for instance, I could say this is a scene where there's a sword fight uh, between two characters in one kind of minigame, this could be a heroic battle to, say, slay a dire foe. In another one, it could be an opportunity for two passionate characters to flirt. In a third, it could actually be the fictional backdrop of of a divorce. And they're all set telling very different stories. So uh, in the same way that for a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games, you have to use your subjective judgment to determine which move applies, is this really a um, go aggro or a, a seize by force? Sure. The same principle and the same skill set comes forward when selecting which minigame is exploring the aspect of this action that I want to explore.
0: Yeah, that makes... Yeah, that's... I don't yeah. know what else to
4: say to that. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm, I'm just going to say that those sound like like some... Some really interesting sword fight that now I want to incorporate. (laughs) Hey,
4: sword lesbians! Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thirsty
4: sword lesbians is your game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I own it. Haven't played it yet. So, uh, all right. Um, For me, I would say that uh, the big thing is um, try to be familiar with the mini game before it comes up. How it's going to work and when the outcomes occur. Um, Especially if you're running a game that the mini games aren't the only thing in the game. if you're going to suddenly shift gears into a new mechanic, it's always good to have at least one person who knows how it's going to be so that you don't get bogged down too much when you're in a system and don't get taken out of the narrative by the mechanics of the game. Um, Having somebody who's familiar with it and how it works, that when the thing goes, you start to step right into it and keep moving the story forward, um, keeps you involved in the story instead of being involved in the mechanics, which are always excellent. Um, And even though I know you've mentioned several times that these are seven different mini games or eight different mini games in, they're all similar enough that once you've played one, as soon as you get to the next one, it only takes 10, 15 right, seconds to scan right. them over and jump in. They're going to have very different results and they might mechanically work differently, but the framework is the same. I think it's part of the strength of once we're into the void is that you've got the ability to very quickly step into the next scene, step into the next scene, step into the next scene, and explore the game. And I think knowing what that is when you go through is important. So, Bill?
0: Yeah, I'm going to build a little off of that, um, which is that um, and this will this will apply somewhat to virtual tabletops and online games because you can totally do it for that. But I'm also thinking about, um, you know, playing face to face again uh, in the future. But um, and I do this for Swords Without Master, which is um, have handouts or something with the mini games so that when you hit the mini game, you can put it out in front of everybody and quickly remind them of what the minigame is and how it goes. So like for Swords Without Master, I actually made made these flow charts of the three different major scenes. Uh, And they're just with symbols. They don't even have words on them. They just have symbols and arrows, you know, denoting like when the players pass the dice, when the players, like who rolls the dice, all of those things. But it's a really nice reference, like when we switch and we're like, okay, now we're playing the perilous phase to put the perilous phase graphic on the table or, you know, up on the screen so that everybody's like, okay, this is the mini game. Here's the outline. I know like, here's where we are in it. Uh, Which is what I really liked when you said the book design being um, the eight by eight with it being able to open to the spread. um, You'll be able to do that exact same thing, right? Whoever, you know, whoever's facilitating the game or if you're passing the book around or ideally if everyone has a book um, you'll be able to just, you know, put the book down flat um, and see the mini game because i you know again that's going to create some you know that'll create some latency some lag if you are like if everybody's like okay we're in this mini game but like how does the mini game go again right, like what do we right, like right. yeah so just having those references um out and and accessible um and a lot of games have them i know like even burning wheel has um sheets for their different mini games um there's, like, I just, like, I made the ones that I did for Swords that Master just because I wanted something even simpler than having text because I didn't want to read it. I just needed, like, a, I just needed basically a guide to remind me, like, oh, in this game, uh, the player holds the dice, and then they roll them at this point, as opposed to they roll, like, you hand them the dice, and they roll immediately. So, yeah, so that little bit of, that little bit of visual prep with those games will help people be able to switch, um, switch between them.
1: All right. All right, now let's talk about some of the problems that be cause by games. Um, they can sometimes make the games more complex because they're going to introduce rules that are either are not often engaged or they're in with the core system. And thus, some games can be tricky to run smoothly. With that in mind, what challenges can mini games present and what are the ways to minimize those problems either in design or at the table?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So when I was working on Once More to the Void, it's, it wasn't my first Firebrands framework game, right? So I, I made one previously. And with once more to the void, I really pushed like the design further. There was only one game that I kept that's mostly close to its original state from the the Firebrand typical menu, uh, which is the last time we touched. But like I, I added, uh, I had to add more questions and more more relationship character stuff uh, in that game. But everything else was very, very much its own thing. Even though I leaned on different mechanics that I've seen, but but they were all completely original because I really wanted to lean into the tropes uh, of sci-fi stories. So I think in design, a challenge is in being really clear with the instructions, keeping them super simple so that when people read them, they can half pay attention, right? They can read the rule, but they can still be listening to what's going on in the scene and in the moment. So having rules, having instructions that are easy to pick up and understand, but still delivering a powerful experience. is like, is, is that needle uh, that that I try to thread. And so from there, the next essential design step is providing a structure that's both compelling and evocative. I worked hard to make sure the choices and steps in each minigame provoke a reaction of some kind. Like, I I know that I've done my job, but I see people read it and they go like, ooh, ah, uh, mm, like they make these faces. I'm like, okay. we're on on the right track (laughs) because I want to provide a really strong prompt that's still also open to interpretation and role play expression so it's it's really because I want the prompts and the game to be strong and evocative but I also want them to be like hey I want you to engage in role play as much as you like so when people tell me oh we we spent the entire four hours with just the recruitment montage I'm like okay that meant that they felt welcome to just go all out right (laughs) But yeah, so, so that's that's where I stand on, on the challenges, uh, the delightful challenges of the minigames. <laughs> right.
4: um, yeah, for myself, uh, I think that minigames need to have some kind of mechanical backbone in common. Um, sometimes in uh, the form of Once More Into the Void, they use the same general resolution me- me- mechanics, but use differences in fiction in how those are interpreted. Uh, or you could have um, very... Different, uh, each minigame affecting a different variable in a larger equation so that your action in the flirting phase affects how you're constrained in the negotiation phase. Um, so uh, that's actually the burning wheel approach. Uh, so um, they have to be hooked together either through um, the minigames' re-skinning a core mechanic or the different pieces thing together like clockwork yeah cool
0: so i will say when when jason first emailed me about the game and i hadn't even looked at the game yet he's like he's like this game is like nine mini games like all in one and i was like "Uh, oh like i was like (laughs) oh no (laughs) like but but again i trust jason implicitly so like when jason says it i'm like well i should go look (laughs) because normally when i hear like a designer's like and there's seven mini games i'm like oh like, oh, what is this gonna be like to run? But as soon as I like read the PDF I was like, "Oh, I get it, right? like I get it they're like they all follow the the same framework, and what's really interesting is the little variations in how like they like how they're structured or how the tokens get calculated and distributed and I was like, okay, i like like I was like, okay, I get it like this is like these are not gonna be hard to jump from one to the other um my actual piece of advice is from a, uh, from a design perspective is I think that um, there needs to be a relationship when you're designing mini games between um, frequency of use and complexity of, of the mini game. So if your mini game is going to be used all the time, it's okay. If your mini game's complex, because it'll keep getting played over and over throughout the, throughout the game and everybody will get the hang of it. But if you make a mini game out of something that only happens once every 10 sessions, and that's really complicated it's going to change the pacing and and of of the game when it's run because yeah. everyone is going to forget how it works and they're going to hit it and then it's going to be complicated and so i think that if you're if you're going to design mini games for like for instance like an aces aces aces, aces and aces and eights is um is a you know western game um that is a massive tome of book um and um it hasn't been a mini game for cattle um for moving cattle but if your game only moves cattle like once like a season right if that game's really complex like it's going to bog down when it's time to play it or the or the gm's going to have to do like extra work to um to be able to facilitate it smoothly so I would say that, like, as a design consideration, like, if you really want mini games to work in a game, keep like that that idea of frequency and complexity, the relationship between the two of those in mind, because um, there's definitely a tuning. Like, I want this to come up a lot. I have the liberty to make this a little more complex. This isn't going to come up a lot. Uh, I'm going
1: to make this a little more streamlined. Okay. How about you, Jer? Kind of building on what Phil said. Uh, the one thing I think to be careful of is just make sure the games don't become too mechanical. Um, and take you out of the flow of the game. Uh, depending on your mini game, if you're playing a game that's very crunchy with a lot of mechanics, then shifting to another mechanic is going to be as difficult. If you're playing a story game or an indie game or a game with a lot of variation, then shifting the subjects to mechanical can cause some issues. So you want to make sure that either um, it's less mechanical or that the mechanics are um, easily remembered or easy to repeat. I think this, this works well with. Basically, the, the big thing is. You want the minigame to bring you into the scene, not take you out of it. And so the mechanic can be part of uh, pushing the story, pushing the the encounter, pushing whatever the end result that you're looking for out of that scene, that should be what the game should be pushing towards. Um, and it might just be the mechanic is experiencing that scene. If that's your objective? So to experience that situation. There may be no particular end game in mind. You just might be wanting to have people experience that situation. The minigame should make that easy to do. Um, the time which is what Phil said about the, the mechanics
0: working process. And I'll say there's a there's a lot to be said for layout in, yes. in this in this whole thing as right, well. Right there's right. a there's a whole thing about um, making the minigame accessible that is going to be you know that, that's a big part of of how is it going to be laid out. Um, consistency of layout, um, use of iconography to kind of key you in on certain parts, things like that. Those those things like those those will all also help um, pull Ooh, things together.
3: The iconography, yeah. Maybe I should put in like symbols. It's such a good. I might steal that. Feel free. Thank you so much, Phil. No problem, because <laughs> I'm gonna because I'm gonna
0: tell you at the end of the segment for a game that um for a game that uh, Senda and I, my other co host on my other show, are working on that I, I think I'm going to borrow some stuff from your game. Oh um, please, feel free.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 go. That'd be great. <laughs> no, but
0: I'll save that. I'll save that till when we get to the end because um I'm not known for being able to land shows on time, but I'm looking at the clock and I am doing an exceptional job of getting us um through this Woo-hoo! segment in a We're timely manner. Pretty because good,
2: so. Yeah, we're yeah doing really, because
0: really well Jamie has out. a hard stop because uh, you have to actually r- go and run another game.
3: Yeah, I'm running um, Blades of the Dark. <laughs> oh,
4: so fantastic. I love that yeah. game as well. Uh, I believe that I have to, I'm legally obliged to say we're going on time. Yeah, we're going <laughs> right. Like that's yeah. <laughs> only if we, we may see get... right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For right
0: now, we're on time. Um, anyway, let me get us to our last topic. Um, normally, when we do a garage discussion, when we're just you know picking apart uh, mechanics um, from other games, we uh, we talk about hacks and wish lists for um, for these mechanics. So, uh, Jamie, I want to ask you a question about once more into the void. And since it's already been teased, um, can you tell us about like un- like? Can you tell us about another scene? Like, you know, just give us hints or whatever about one of the other scenes that's going to come up in the stretch goals?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I will say this is subject to, you know, final approval. I have a few ideas. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Jason and Avery about it. But basically, one of my favorite parts uh, in Mass Effect 2 is there's this really harrowing moment. I'm not going to spoil it, because the Legendary Edition is coming out. If you haven't played it and you like video games, I encourage you to go play it. But there's a moment where you play a character and it's the, the enemy that you're up against has attacked the ship. Right. And it's a really, it's a really striking moment because that ship up to that point had been like your safety hub. Right. And so uh, to see it suddenly change and, and to become so, so haunting and, and scary in that moment, I really, really wanted to like try to translate that into a mini game where the stakes are high and the crew is caught off guard. And maybe that's that'll build up nicely into the final mission. Like we have to, you know, you, you hurt us or you took something from us. Like maybe that might come up in the mini game. So whenever I brainstorm something that'd be really cool to add in a game, I start asking myself, what are the emotional truths that this will uncover? Right. Like what are the themes and emotions that I want to invite the player to engage in? And how does it connect to the essence and themes of what's going on in general, right? So in this case, answering the questions will help me establish the premise, the flow and prompts of the minigame. I probably have each player describe what essential weapon, ability, or knowledge they've lost access to, to give that sense of like loss and being caught off guard, right? And then when we dive into the prompts, I'd have them set up. Like, I want the players to establish themselves, like how scary things are, like, how dire things really are Ooh. and how much they've lost, right? Because I, I find, like, if you let the players do that, they'll actually go pretty hard. Right. <laughs> like, yes. You know, they will, they will willingly uh, go the distance for that. And so, uh, and aside from that, the essential part of the scene for me, Mass Effect 2, is that tension, the horror, but the focus on, like, what needs to be done. What do I have to do in order to, like, get through this moment? And so... It'll be interesting to like to have that moment where uh, it might translate into like defending the ship or uh, trying to create mo- parts where you can defend it. I can't wait to like get into it and, and figure out what that's gonna. Look. I, I have to say, like when I so when I wrote when I designed, wrote and laid out the first once it was the first edition of Once More Into the Void, which is available now, which you get immediately when you back. I did all of that in eight days, right? Like, Ooh. Uh, Ooh, for a while. And it was like, um, but I want to stress, right? It was like constantly that day. I go to sleep dreaming about designing. And then when I'd wake up, I'd be in mid thought. So I knew I was designing in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I get on the computer and just like lay out and, and type it all at once. Uh, like I was possessed. So I want to I wanna stress that. but But this percolation, this like thinking about it helps so that when I sit down, it just comes out um but yeah so so that's what i have in mind like a harrowing they've attacked the ship things are no longer safe what are we going to protect what's at stake that's that's what i'd love to introduce very cool
2: i um,
0: as soon as you said it could picture it and i can picture so many um like so many star trek episodes where that's yeah, the case. Where exactly like, did you fight them off did you have to run like you know what did we lose because you know like what made us like what did we lose that made us run um, what did we lose because we stood our
3: ground? Oh exactly, exactly. Did you have to sacrifice something of the ship or something of yourself yes. or a relationship? Right. So
0: yeah. Oh no, it's oh it's you're you're definitely in the right spot. Like yeah.
3: that's
4: And good. also in the same thought, there's also the coming back home and everything's yeah, changed. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
4: Home slash a particular space station. Um mm-hmm yep
0: oh they're good they're so good so i I will tell you just briefly um so that we still have time to go to the conversation corner so um uh my um writing partner senda and i design writing partner um we've been designed in this game called ditch lilies which is about the um greatest 90s all girl band you've never heard of
3: (gasps) wow amazing
0: and it's about traveling it's about them traveling from town to town um and solving problems using queer love and rock and roll. Like that's our pitch for, for the game. And and we play tested at Metatopia. We we had a we had a good time of it, but we wound up talking after uh, actually all of us wound up talking after um, our last, our last play of once more into the void. And Mm -hmm. suddenly we were like, Oh, you know what? Having this specific types of scenes would totally make this game because we could help set the genre of what the game's about by having the scenes. And, we had a, we have a like a, a a mechanic that we could easily, kind of fit into the mini game structure, are nice like okay, life. take these successes and but this is how you apply them in this scene, and very quickly we were like, oh, this is, yes, yes, like this is this is time to like I we haven't written anything in a year, but it might be time to start like dusting off yep. some Google Docs and
3: yeah, um, going exactly. back to work, cool. right, awesome. right, right. Sometimes you just need that gap to like wait for things to fit in perfectly so yeah it just
0: just feels like the thing that was missing from the game and having and having started playing this i was like oh i totally see how um i totally see how these scenes work like how they fit together and and not only that but how they inform genre how they basically help to tell the tale that you're trying to tell and i was like oh i I could see a lot of parallels we could do here like we gotta like time time to get cracking so okay cool um all right so thank you so much for joining us um for the uh garage we're going to transition in just a moment over to the conversation corner where we kind of just talk about ourselves and i think we get you for 15 more minutes so yeah, yeah. um we're doing fantastic is uh bob our disembodied voice yeah um, is there anything coming out of the um chat room that we should finish up on before we I move we're over good. i think
2: we can roll into the conversation corner oh fantastic uh yeah. hit us up
0: all righty so yeah here in the conversation corner we just kind of talk about um like generally geeky things that are giving us life which we borrow heavily from the gauntlet because uh, we are also fans of the gauntlet um so um yeah well, Jim, Jim, we'll start with you
3: yeah what's you life? absolutely yeah so oh my gosh I, I was expecting lowell to go what's giving you life anyway so <laughs> um but yeah uh so what's been giving me life lately is I really love video games so when I'm not playing TTRPGs I'm playing video games I'm very uh consistent that way uh and I'm really excited about the legendary edition from Mass Effect I don't have it yet but you know I'm just like so excited about it uh I have been playing Mass Effect 2 the standard edition the original one before we get it I've also been really enjoying the Xbox Game Pass, uh, which is really, really great. So we got an Xbox and actually my partner jokes that we got this like brand new next gen machine, but I use it to play indie games and old games. Right, so, so I've been playing a lot of indie games, which are part of the Xbox Game Pass, which is really great. So I got to play EShade, which is like the idea of Skyrim without combat. And it's very, it's very nice, very calming. I really love that one. I played it twice already. And The Gardens Between, a much shorter game about the relationship of time and memory was super good. And in terms of older games, because I just like Bioware games, I've been replaying Dragon Age Origins. It's my ninth, I think, the ninth (laughs) time I'm playing the game. (laughs) Nice. I really, I really love it. So much. (laughs) I keep saying I'm not going to romance Alistair again, but it keeps happening over and over again. I can't. It's hard. It's hard. I have one evil run through. I haven't finished yet because that one's really painful. It's really difficult. Um, Run throughs are hard. And Dragon Age Origins, you're extra evil, right? You are super, super evil. It's not. It's not the same as being a badass renegade.
4: Uh, And Mass Effect Three,
3: Renegade, Mm. Orden oh i would i would argue if you go extra renegade from the start in mass effect one i i unlock this like different ending where if you go super renegade morden just goes yeah i agree with you oh like, really? what yeah i was so shocked and you unlock this other secret thing in the deal anyway i love Biowarkens. That's oh um, yeah yeah mm. so if you go extra 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 renegade um you actually get a completely different ending, which was really funny to me. (laughs) But yeah, so that's what's been giving me life video games. I love them so much. (laughs) Jason. So
4: I recently finished off my run of the Clone Wars. Ooh, so good. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I did Rebels, then Clone Wars, which is the wrong order. Oh, (laughs) interesting. Although I got to see a whole bunch of things. Like, oh, wait a second. Oh,
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you got to see them. Yeah, that's kind of cool, though. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
4: And uh, so that led me to uh, dig into Star Wars Battlefront because it's actually doing a really good job of displaying the visuals and like going through Camino after watching the clone wars battles of Camino episodes and like it, it's it is shockingly good also it was free at the time um <laughs> that that also helps um which then ties into the bad batch so it's i'm i'm just an interwoven mm-hmm. hub of star wars yeah um I mean, I even fin- recently finished uh, the Light of the Republic from the um, the High Republic uh, first book in the High Republic series, which is Ooh. what three hundred years before um, the prequels. Cool.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
4: with a Wookiee Padwan. it's it's great.
3: Also, cool. also. Um, oh, really more Wookiee characters. Mm-hmm.
4: And on theme, because I'm apparently stuck in Star in. Uh, science fiction mode, Uh, I've been doing Stellaris, which is kind of great. There's so much good stuff in that game.
0: Looks like a pretty big game.
4: Yeah, oh no, it will eat your face. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, However, it lets you have choices like, do you embrace the brain slugs? Well, yes, of course I embrace the brain slugs. Okay, fantastic. (laughs) Nothing could possibly go wrong.
2: Of Course, you embrace the brain slugs as you do. I mean, it's
4: and other than that, I'm trying to slowly learn to art because it's literally the one area in my game publishing arsenal that I don't have. It Ooh. is okay to
0: hire people, Jason. It is okay, <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes, but I should be able to do literally everything. I mean, it is, I got o- it is okay finding, to hire experts layout, <laughs> editing, writing, design. Like, I, I just
3: need to art.
0: Jason's going to be the complete threat. Just yeah. the all-in-one. <laughs>
3: the maximum threat, yeah. <laughs> On all
1: levels. Maximum <laughs> effort. Oh, that's funny. Jer, what's up all with right. you? I'm going to keep this short because i got 10 minutes. So I watched the uh, season finale of Invincible, which was amazing and set things up really interesting for next season. If you like superhero shows with all, and don't mind a lot of violence, it's a great show and it does some great... Uh, homages and pastiches of Borgesi and Marvel characters. Um, I really sunk into the Nevers a lot. It's the HBO show. It's basically, uh, like Newton powers in a Victorian London. Um, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, we're up to episode four and in true, uh, streaming service, episode four, a bunch of stuff gets revealed that you've been waiting for. The plot drops and everything, you know, it just, everything ramps up, uh, the homage, the the uh, the added weight up support things will take off. We've um, been playing a ton of Valheim with Bob. Um, we died a lot this <laughs> week. Uh, in the last week and a half, we've had a number of. This is a stupid idea, but let's try it. Okay, now let's build some characters to go find our bodies to get back all the stuff we had. We tried that, and uh, we've had a couple of. Those. We've also done a lot of really interesting exploration and uh, architectural experiments. Yeah. And uh, lastly. Like everyone else, I enjoyed the Bad Batch. Um, No spoilers for everybody. Just, it's good. It's setting up some interesting things. Did some stuff I was not expecting. And uh, that's all I'll say about it without, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. So I'll just say Bad Batch, if you like Star Wars, it's good Star Wars. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so uh, uh, along the Star Wars lines, I have uh, continued my Lego retail therapy. I bought the uh, Imperial Probe Droid set that they had. Not a ton of pieces, only like nine hundred pieces, but a lot of really small pieces. I actually had to take a nap when I was done building it because my <laughs> eyes were so tired from looking through the bottom of my bifocals and like ah uh, like.
3: <laughs> wow, <laughs> but it's very
2: cool looking. It looks it looks just like an Imperial probe right? It's awesome. They did a really nice set. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Do um, you yeah, if you're not aware. Bob and I are both Lego collectors, so we, we yeah. have lots of Legos.
2: No, Jerry's oh, a Lego, Lego collector. I'm a dabbler. Yeah, I,
0: Jerry's I, a Lego I,
2: hoarder. I have.
1: I have I, 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 I'm not joking. I have a Lego room in the house.
2: Yes. So, yes. Uh, yes. Not a uh, small room yeah. either.
3: Cool.
2: <laughs> yes. I have a long yeah. way to go before I can compete with Jerry. But
0: you I, I need heard, a larger house. Bob is yeah. what you're I, saying.
3: I, I have run entire.
1: I have run entire tabletop role playing game campaigns using nothing but Lego. Yes. So. Anyway, back to
2: Bob. Yeah, so um, for Senda's benefit, uh, the Shira season four finale. Uh, I, I went through that and the first two episodes of season five, and went. You had to wait six months for that reveal. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's that's like that's not like waiting three months over the summer for you know for Picard to get deborgified. That's six months. <laughs> That was harsh. I'm glad I got to watch that like back to back practically. So, um, and, um, along the lines of having a Lego room, um, I don't know if I'm going to have a Lego room, but, um, I am actually, one of the things that's been giving me life lately is a, I'm finishing a chapter of my life and getting ready for a new chapter. Um, I just started talking to a real estate agent today about selling my house Wow, Um, My current housemate, who who is my ex-wife, long story, but she's moving out finally with her boyfriend, and they just bought a house, and then it's just going to be me um, at the beginning of June, uh, partway into June, and now I'm like, okay, I want to get out of this house and get myself something new, probably going to get a condo because I don't want to do lawn care. And, uh, And so I'm, like, really looking forward to, like, just kind of like starting fresh with a new space and uh and seeing where i can go from there so uh so that's me that's what i've been doing
0: yeah very nice um for me really quick um i just started playing kerbal space program um was in the mood for something new so i uh i ordered it um it's a lot of fun um it's a little bit of uh it's a little bit of physics Mm -hmm. um not a trivial amount of physics but um you, uh, you have to build a space program for your little Kerbals um, and try not to get them killed in accidents because um, <laughs> you have to design the rockets yourself. Um, so I've been having fun with that. I've, uh, I have uh, I've not broken the atmosphere yet. I have taken several suborbital flights um, with my Kerbals and returned them safely so far. No, I've not lost any of my Kerbals. Um, took me a little while to come up with a naming scheme for my rockets, um, you know, I was thinking like, you know, the American space program had like, you know, all of the Greek gods and things like that. And then I didn't want to like appropriate anybody's culture. So I went with science fiction authors. Uh, so yeah. like I had my first rocket was the Wells, um, and then the Lagoon and then, um, Herbert, I think is where I am right now. The Herbert Mark three is my current, um, my current uh ship so like i'm just gonna like i just like i'm just going down the line just naming them after famous sci-fi authors just i thought that like it's a good um a good solid naming scheme
4: be careful with that Stellaris did the same thing oh
0: i don't care i came and up with their it by most myself
4: recent update was <laughs> named after philip k oh well i knew that was gonna that avoid was that one <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> oh, i mean you knew that was coming I'm,
0: I mean, you know, the design's gonna. Never mind. Um, Building rockets here. Okay. Um, I'm also reading the Book of Hans, which is a um, from the people who do the Fate SRD, which is a book of essays and articles on um, running Fate. So, not that I haven't run Fate. I've run Fate plenty of times, but I'm always interested in understanding like people who've run more of it. Um, Just trying to get their their feel for the game so that I can improve my game. Because uh, I'm running iHunt, Hunt, um, which I absolutely Ooh, love. Oh,
3: Hunt is so good. I was, oh, iHunt's I Hunt's
0: Hunt. amazing! Like this may this may be one of my favorite fate games now. Like I I love it. Um, and uh, lastly, um, I got into um, I got into on Marvel Unlimited the new run of the Eternals, which I guess is getting ready their ramp up for getting the next you know in line for the movie. But yep. I I like I read the original Eternals. Like I went back in Marvel Unlimited and read like the. 70s whatever which was like really out there but i really like jack kirby's art so um i dug all the cosmic dots but this new run uh which is like you know more modern age uh was actually a little more accessible like i think just the writing was much better in terms of how to kind of like explain where they fit in the marvel universe so I think there was only one episode or one issue so far on Marvel Unlimited, but I'm going to like, I'm just going to keep my eye out. Like hopefully next week, they'll load another one. And I'll just start reading those. Cause um, I really dug those. That's
3: okay. Awesome. Marvel Unlimited is great. Yeah. Oh my God.
0: I love Marvel yeah. Unlimited. Like I, I can wait, I can wait. Like it's, it's fine. We don't have to like, I can wait till we get, you know,
1: for two, six months. We, we got two minutes left. So. We
0: have two minutes left. So what we're going to yeah. do is make sure that uh, Jamie and Jason tell us, uh, where they can be found on the internet and then we're going to let Jamie go and thank you very much i just want to thank you for coming on yes um it's been it's been great um and best of luck with the campaign um and uh, yeah. i'm excited
3: thank you so much and i'm that i'm happiest that you're going to be taking some of the tech from once worn to the void and putting it into your own game that's the that's the best news oh, i thank got you. so I'm really really excited about that
0: <laughs> <clears throat> so where can we find you
3: yeah, so you can find me on Twitter mainly at uh, Temporal Hiccup, which is actually a Max Payne reference for when he freezes in time. As he... Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I like to post Sailor Moon GIFs and I'll probably be talking about Once More Into the Void too, uh, What's What we really like to do is like, uh, what I like seeing other people do, I mean, is talking about their design philosophy or how they, how they came to a certain thing. So I'll probably be talking about Once More Into the Void a bit. And I love making games. So like like we talked about earlier, I have about 40-ish games on 7 which you can check out. And due to health reasons, I have to take a step back from releasing games on itch.io every month. But my patrons have access to all the games I'm working on. So I'm working on like some really big ones lately. So a particular note is my uh, development on Apocalypse Keys, which I briefly talked about a PPTA game about monsters holding back the apocalypse to in- investigate... Supernatural Mysteries. It's been jokingly called Apocalypse Kisses because it's also a very emotional game. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the other game I'm working on is called Decline Oblige. I'm not sure if we're keeping that title, it's a working title. For now, it's a forge-in-the-dark game of high-level political intrigue in a broken fantasy world ravaged by a curse. So that's been super, super fun. And if you want to further support my game design and check out what I'm working on, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Games. That would be super cool. But yeah, that's where you can find me.
2: Awesome. Well, Thank thank you so much. And one quick warning for uh, everybody who's watching before Jamie uh, logs out of the Zoom. Uh, The video is going to get wonky because of the nature of the way OBS and Zoom talk to each other when her uh, when their video goes out of the zoom, um, it's just all gonna go to hell and
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't have time and, by the time and I we're just it, gonna keep going. Over. So we're just gonna keep <laughs> rocking.
3: Thank you so much everybody. I'll go ahead and, and uh, I I'll be, I'll be playing Blades in the Dark in a few minutes. All I'll right, see you, thank you enjoy your time. Thank,
2: you. thank.
1: Thank you, thank you so guys. much. And I'll chat Bye. with you tonight.
3: Yes, we're gonna okay. brainstorm. I love thank down. you so Here much, you everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
4: And there you go. Right. And <laughs> so Jason, where do Phil. we find you? Uh you can find me <laughs> at Genesis of Legend. Oh, this is amusing. Um sorry, I'm just looking at the Twitch that's broken. <laughs> it's delightful. Um so uh yeah, at Genesis of Legend on Twitter, Genesisoflegend at gmail dot com. Genesis of let uh .ca <laughs> it's pretty easy to find me um oh and kickstarter. Dot, on kickstarter the RPG dot design panel cast <laughs> yes. yeah yep
0: yeah awesome. i love your panel cast
4: it's uh, yeah, i i am juggling a lot of balls at this point in time although yeah, we'll save are. that for the after show
0: <laughs> there you
4: go
0: um <laughs> All right, Bob, in order to uh, in order to get us out of here in a clean and orderly fashion, would you
2: mind running through the patron shout-outs? I would love to. And you know what time it is? It's time for the royal court. So we have big, big thanks to Andrew Dacey, the warden of Whiskies; Andy Olson, the Duke of Dice, Bread, the royal mead maker, Craig, the lord of one name, Eric Bontz, the Duke of Gators and the lord of beefness, our very own GM Gerrymander, the Lord of the After Show. Jesse Edmund, the Royal Doctor. Jim from Jim Loves Games, the Royal Merchant Emeritus. Evil John Carney, the Court Necromancer. Kevin Lovecraft, the Royal Beard. Richard Wyatt, Captain of the Royal Airship Fleet. Schmitty, the Keeper of the Labyrinth. Schmitty!
3: Tiberius
2: Starcrash Smith, the Baron of Britannia and Todd Crapper, the Prophet of Probability. Thank you all for being our patrons. Indeed, indeed. And thank you to everyone for listening. There you go.
0: If you're free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m., the Queen's time, you're welcome. Come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with other listeners in the awesome
1: chat room for life and ask us the occasional question. If you can't make the live show, check out our podcast each week wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's take a listen to some of the other shows of the Mr. Director Mark Network, such as Mastering Dungeons, Bone, Obsidian, the FM Gamers, Titus Talking Games, the Gnome Cast, Jean-Gou Hustle, The Lounge, Force Experience, and back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS. So before you make that loyalty
0: draw, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly via the old school email system, MMP at misdirectedmark.com. Hit us up on Twitter. The show and the network is at misdirected Mark. I'm not even pointing because I don't know where anyone is in the, in the Twitch right now. Um, The show and the network again, misdirected Mark. One of the, one of these people is at Robert M Everson. The other ones, GM gerrymander. And I, the only one I can point to reliably. I am DNA (laughs) Phil.
2: If you like what we do here and on the other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaigns. MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are all at patreon.com slash MMP. Django Hustle is at patreon.com slash Hustle. And Bonus Experience is at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, And other special releases. This has been a Mr. Kermark production. The Media Armored Coded Designs.
4: Mic drop! We out!